you may have noticed last, last week, maybe the last couple weeks, I can't remember. I think we're just doing some, kind of some one-offs. I don't want to start a new series until after next week when folks, when, you know, once we're back and have three services or two services again, I figured that'd be a better time to start something. So we're just kind of filling in a little bit with some interesting things. And last week after class, Robin came up to me and she asked me a question about the Sabbath. And I just thought it was a good question. Well, I don't know if you, if you want to restate it or I can state it for you, but I thought it was a good question. And so I thought rather than give her a rushed three-minute answer, I thought, why don't we just actually invite everybody into the conversation and we'll, we'll talk a little bit about Sabbath this morning. So I can frame it out or you can. Do you, do you want to speak to it or do you want me to just take it? Well, one of the things I'm wondering, um, those of my generation can remember back when things weren't open on Sunday and it, our nationally, it was like a forced Sabbath break. Sure. Um, and with... As Christians, with all the Ten Commandments, seem to have stayed very important. But someplace along the line, this, the keeping the Sabbath holy, and I don't think it's just going to church. Sure. Um, but it is a little confusing as to, you know, with the way things, you know, with the evolution of things, like frog and, and water being boiled, you don't even realize you're being boiled, but somehow we have made this less than what I think God wants it to be. Sure. And for the Israelites, really <laughs> showed disrespect to, to God and he took it very seriously. Yeah, sure. So where do we fit in that? Great. As believers, because we're under the new covenant, but that doesn't, we didn't throw the baby out with the bathwater. Right. Okay, great. So in case you couldn't hear that, so Robin recalls growing up where like kind of at a cultural level, even at like a law level, um, everything was closed on Sunday. The Sabbath, Sabbath observation was almost, I think you call it a forced Sabbath, right? We call it blue laws, is that right? Yeah. Blue laws precede kind of my time so much, but, but like with rules are like, you're not allowed to, stores can't be open, or you certainly couldn't sell alcohol. Certain things were like, you, know, you couldn't do. Um, and so there was a time in American history where the Sabbath was understood broadly to be uh, just as real, just as binding, just as everything as any of the other nine commandments, but it seems like that's not so much the case. And not just nationally, not just in the broader culture, but for Christians too, it's like there's 10 commandments, but really one of them doesn't really count so much, right? And we might actually be able to get rid of a few more too. We went down the list, you know? And so what's up with that? Like, what's the deal? Are we supposed to keep the 10 commandments or not? And if so, are we supposed to keep the Sabbath or not? And if so, does that just mean go to church and then check and you're golden? Or, you know, how does that work? So how, do, how should a Christian living today think about Sabbath? Fair enough? Okay, so let's do it. And we're going to take some time. We're just going to do, do, do a survey of the scriptures on the Sabbath. And so if you wanted to go, let's start with the Old Testament. Um, and what we're going to try to do, we'll do our best. It's, we are all influenced by our cultures, all of us, and it's just it's impossible not to be. But let's do our best to try to be biblical. Let's, let's, in everything we try to do, let's see, has God said anything about this so that I'm not forced just to intuit stuff and make things up? Has God said anything that, to which I can conform my life? So, Old Testament, where would you go to understand the Sabbath in the Old Testament? Well, in Exodus. Okay, so, so maybe we go to the ten, we could start at the Ten Commandments. So in Exodus, Ten Commandments are what chapter? 20. Chapter 20. So let's go to that, okay? So in Exodus 20, let me read it to you. And I wonder if you notice, there's something unusual about this. There's Ten Commandments, 
but they're not all stated in exactly the same way. There's something weird about this one. So here's, here's this, Exodus 20, and you can start in verse eight. And it says, remember the Sabbath day by keeping it holy. Six days you shall labor and do all your work, but the seventh day is a Sabbath to the Lord your God, and on it you shall not do any work, neither you nor your son or daughter, nor your manservant or maidservant, nor your animals, nor the alien within your gates. Okay? Now here's the weird thing. Here's the thing that's a little bit unusual. He continues in verse 11, and he says, For in six days the Lord made the heavens and the earth, the sea and all that is in them, but he rested on the seventh day. Therefore the Lord blessed the Sabbath day and made it holy. Okay? So what's strange about that? It implies that God was pretty tired after Okay, so that, that, and that's, like, that's actually like a second level of, like, you, you get the impression, why did he rest? Was he tired, okay? But that'd be a strangeness about, like, Genesis, you know, 1, really. Like, why did God knock off work in Genesis 1? We, we'll talk about that in a second. But what's strange about this in the Ten Commandments? It's not strange, it's just unique, unparalleled in the others. Do you know what it is? It's that he gives a reason at all. He doesn't give reasons. He's like, don't steal. He doesn't say, don't steal, because if you do, it breaks down society. He doesn't say, like, honor your, you know, honor your mother and father because she gave you birth and all this. He doesn't give any of the reasons. Now, for the honor your mother and father, he gives a benefit. He says, that it may go well with you. But this is the only one that looks backward. And here, let me tell you why there's a reason. So why are we to take a Sabbath? Well, because for in six days the Lord God made the heavens and the earth, the sea and all that is in them, but he rested on the seventh. Therefore, the Lord blessed the Sabbath day and made it holy. So he's anchoring, this is interesting, he's anchoring the reason for this is in the created order. In the moment that God made the world, he did something, it was meaningful, notice that, that has implications for what I'm telling you today, says Moses, this is why we gotta do this, okay? So far so good? All right, Bill. I think rest may have more than one meaning. It, okay, good, so we'll have to unpack that. So rest has more than one meaning. Let's hold that thought for a moment, we'll come back to that, okay? So. If we're, going to, if we're going to study the Sabbath, if we want to get our head around this and be informed biblically, you might start. Exodus 20 is a good place to point to start. But then Exodus 20 probably points you back to Genesis 1. So you might want to get your head around that. And we're just starting to build our, build our study guide, okay? There's another place, though, that the Ten Commandments show up. And this is really interesting, I think. Where's the other one? Do you know? Deuteronomy. Anybody know the chapter? It's chapter... Five, cinco, very good. So check this one out. This is what's interesting. Not only is the not only is the Sabbath law unique because it's the only one that he gives a reason, but in the two tellings of the Ten Commandments in Exodus 20 and in Deuteronomy 5, he gives a different reason, which is so weird, right? Now, it's not a retelling of the same event. What, what Deuteronomy is, the whole of Deuteronomy is a retelling. Deuteronomy, like a duet is the second nomos, the second law. So what's happened is they've, that everything has happened in Genesis, Exodus, Leviticus, Numbers, and then when we get to Deuteronomy, it's a recap, really, of all that has come before. They're about to enter the land, and Moses is like, all right, time out. Before you go in, I don't get to go in, by the way, because you guys made me so mad, but we'll talk about that later. Um, uh, let's recap. And then when he recaps the Ten Commandments, it's a totally different reason. Okay, take a look. So in Deuteronomy 5, says, verse 13... Six days you shall labor and do all your work, but the seventh day is a Sabbath to the Lord your God. 
on it, you shall not do any work, neither you, nor your son, or your daughter, your manservant, your maidservant, your ox, your donkey, any of your animals, all very much like previously, nor the alien within your gates, so that your manservant and maidservant may rest as you do. It's a little bit different right there. Okay, it starts to sound a little bit different, but check it out. Verse 15, remember that you were slaves in Egypt and that the Lord your God brought you out of there with a mighty hand and an outstretched arm. Therefore, the Lord your God has commanded you to observe the Sabbath day. This time there's no mention of creation. He's not pointing back to the seven day, six days of creation and the seventh day of rest. It's like, do you guys remember how much you hated being slaves and you had to work every day, day in and day out? Well, guess what? You're not slaves. I freed you from slavery, so live in the freedom, right? Totally different reason, okay? So when we think about Sabbath, we probably need to kind of harken back to, okay, there's something about the created order, something about what God was doing that we should bear in mind, and there's something about redemption. You used to be a slave, and you're not anymore. These two things inform, should inform, how we, how we come into Sabbath, okay? We'll, we'll put it together in a minute. I'm going to give you a bunch of pieces, and then we'll try to assemble it, okay? But does that make sense? All right, any other texts that you would look at in the Old Testament? We're just getting our pool, and then we'll, we'll try to make sense. Key texts that inform your Sabbath. Exodus 16? Yes. Okay, very good. So let's go to Exodus 16. Excellent. So in Exodus 16, um, well, go ahead. Go ahead. Can you read real loud? Where do you want me to start? You, you, you can grab it. Yes. Two omers each, and when all the leaders of the congregation came and told Moses and said to them, This is what the Lord has commanded. Tomorrow is a day of solemn rest, a holy Sabbath to the Lord. Bake what you will bake, and boil what you will boil, and all that is left over lay aside to be kept until the morning. So they laid it aside to the morning as Moses had commanded them, and it did not stink, and there was no worms in it. Moses said, Eat it today, for today is a Sabbath to the Lord. Yes. Today you will not fight it in the field. <clears throat> Six days you shall gather it, but on the seventh day, which is a Sabbath, there will be none. And so there's a provision, there's a miraculous, this stuff rots overnight, except on a Friday, it take, it, it's fresh for two days. Right, Sabbath, we think of Sabbath as Sunday, it's really Saturday. So God's provision was, listen, I'm, I'm, I know that I've told you to rest, and I know that creates some inconveniences, but I'm going to provide supernaturally for you so that everything you need to do, is, it's just all going to work out. All you got to do is just trust me. Just walk with me through this and do this. There's something about the way that I made the world. There's something about the way that I have freed you from slavery that sets us up that you get a day off and you really should take it. That's essentially what we're seeing here, okay? All right, any other key texts? There's, there's plenty we could choose from, but I'd love to get any on on record that are that are that you feel are particularly meaningful to this are you still old testament yeah just old testament we're going to save the new because because yeah it's good it's different in the new right it's not just different from uh robin's youth to today not that she's not extremely youthful but it is different from the old testament to the new we've got to understand why that is so old testament any others that you would go there are several that are like Good night, this is severe. Like, it's a big deal. Can you think of any of those? Look at, go to Jeremiah. Jeremiah 17. This is like such strident language. 
says, Jeremiah, so Jeremiah is going to be way forward, minor pro, in the prophets, major prophets. Jeremiah 17, 24 says, If you're careful to obey me, declares the Lord, and to bring no load through the gates of the city on the Sabbath, but you keep the Sabbath day holy by not doing any work on it, then kings who sit on David's throne will come through the gates of the city with their officials. They and their officials will come riding in chariots and horses accompanied by the men of Judah, those living in Jerusalem, and this city will be inhabited forever. He says, if you keep the Sabbath, like eternal blessings for Jerusalem. People will come from the towns of Judah, the villages, from all around these places, and they will make offerings to the Lord. But, verse 27, if you do not obey me and keep the Sabbath day holy by not carrying any load as you come through the gates, then I, check this, I will kindle an unquenchable fire in the gates of Jerusalem that will consume her fortress. An unquenchable fire is a fire that completely consumes. You can throw water, you can get the fire hoses out and it's just not gonna work. This thing is gonna completely burn this thing to ash and it'll, it'll consume it. It's gonna be a total destruction if you don't do this. Strident language. The blessings are contingent and curses come. So it's a big, big deal, right? That perspective, right? That, not being perspective, that, that information is really what I think has governed a lot of the American experience of Sabbath, at least up until when, 50s or 60s maybe? We begin to, when it, maybe a little bit later than that began to change. Okay, any other key texts that you want to throw into the thing and then we'll, we'll pause and try to make sense of it? Is that good enough? Who's, oh yeah, Kelly. Um, I don't have the text, sorry, but um, the land itself is supposed to observe Sabbath. Yes, okay, so Kelly's saying the land itself should observe Sabbath. So there's basically, you're, you, you can only harvest from, this, from the land. Um, so there's kind of a mini version every seven years. What we do every seven days is in every seven years, there's a Sabbath. And then every seven sets of seven years, there's a bigger Sabbath. You know what that's called? Jubilee. The year of Jubilee, Leviticus 16, maybe? I can't remember. But, but so the land itself is. And in fact, that shows up at the very end when the judgment falls on Israel and they hadn't observed the Sabbath rest, and God sends them off into the, you know, to be under Babylonian captivity for 70 years. His, one, of, one of the ways he kind of like turns it a little bit, he's like, and thus the land enjoyed its Sabbath rests. You wouldn't take the, every seven, you wouldn't do these things every seven years or every 49 years, so I'm going to blow it up for 70, and the whole thing is just going to grow wild for 70 years, and we're going to make up all that you'd missed. So it's, again, more, more of the weight and the significance of this. Jennifer, did you have your hand up? Yeah, I had. I found it interesting. I think it's Exodus 31. Uh, yes, very good. And it's a whole section. He's, Moses is up there with with God getting the commandments, the tablets, and God just has this whole conversation about the Sabbath. And here, this is where the this is the complete bizarre thing. Uh, Sabbath violation becomes a capital offense in Exodus 31. It's like, okay, wait, what is happening? Let's, let's listen to it. Observe the Sabbath because it's holy to you. Anyone who desecrates it must be put to death. Whoever does any work on the day must be cut off from his people. For six days works to be done. The seventh is a Sabbath rest holy to the Lord. Whoever does any work on the Sabbath must be put to death. Listen to this. The Israelites are to observe the Sabbath. This really speaks to the heart of Robin's question. The Israelites are to observe the Sabbath, celebrating it for the generations to come. As a lasting covenant, it will be a sign between me and the Israelites forever. This is, hard to, this is not ambiguous language. For in six days, the Lord made the heavens and the earth, and the seventh day he abstained from work and rested. 
All right. That's a, that's a good enough. Was that good enough for now to lay a foundation? We can make a very strong case for the eternal observation of the Sabbath just, just based on all of that. Okay? So... Uh, let's, let's try to put these pieces together. Why? What, what does it mean? Why did God rest? Was he tired, Don? I don't think so. Okay, what do you think? I think he was looking back at the incredible creation. Okay. Yes, that's, I think that's an excellent thing. So there's, there's a one, we, sometimes we rest because we're beat. But, I mean, we're just exhausted. But sometimes we rest because it's, we're done. There's nothing else. It's exactly what I meant it to be. When you, so when you turn in your final exam or your, your, your dissertation, that might be better. You turn in your, your, your dissertation. It might be that you're exhausted, but it's also that it's, it's ready. The manuscript is ready to go, to go to print, right? And so he's not resting because he's exhausted. He doesn't get exhausted, but he was, con- he was satisfied, and the work was complete, and it's done, Right? And he's, saying, he's teaching us something about that. Now, we get weak, but what we get to do is even when we're not quite done, we get to knock off work. And that's the pattern that he was laying. And I think he was, I think he was resting. Not, well, one reason is he was resting because he was satisfied with the work he had done. What else? If it wasn't exhaustion, why else was he doing that then? Jennifer? It was complete. Yes, yeah, so I think it goes with it. It's, it's complete. It's satisfied. There's nothing left to do. Although Jesus says, my father is working to this very day, right? So he sustains all things. He's busy, right? But that that particular thing was done. He is working on us. Indeed, he is. Yes. Yeah, Stuart? Um, And I'm maybe jumping ahead, but, you know, today it's funny because this morning I read Mark 1 and 2 as part of the Bible project through the Bible of the Year. Yeah. Jesus explains in Mark 2 exactly what he meant by the Sabbath. So, yeah, unpack it a little bit. Tell us. I mean, it was modeling for us. that the, the, the seventh day of rest he was modeling for us to create it. Because remember, too, is that Jesus is true. God is Trinity, Father, Son, Holy Spirit. And he's modeling, which he's going to obviously model very clearly to his son, but his son was there. Yes, right. The creation. Yes. And I love the picture, in, um, and I forget which one it is when Aslan is you know, just roaring, who Aslan is Christ. Crops of Narnia, and he's roaring into creation. Magician's nephew, yeah. The, the different universes, you know, and you see that, you know, that picture. And, um, yeah. and um, but I think he, Jesus was there. That's right. And so they're, they're all in one. That's right. It's excellent. Modeling for us, and then Jesus explains that he gave us the Sabbath not for him, but for us. That's right. For us, not for him. Um, uh, so anyway. Well, and even, and Jesus says, Sabbath was made for man, not man for the Sabbath, right? And that's what the Jews had twisted around. That's right. That's exactly right. Okay, so now we are getting New Testament. We're going we're gonna to hold off for a second on that. So why Sabbath? Well, or why did God rest? Well, one, he rests because the work was done. It, it is a good thing to stop and to stand back and say, like, I don't need to do any more fiddling with my brush. It's good. It's done. Walk away. Kelly and I, we just remodeled our bathroom downstairs, and it looks awesome, right? I love it, right? It was difficult, and it was messy. We piled the floor, and the floor is loppy, and it was terrible, but now you walk in that thing, it looks hot. Isaac, how's it look, man? It's gorgeous, right? We rule. It's so good, and so we can stop, although we do need a table, okay? But it's almost done. Kelly, what do you want to say to that? Oh, you're running past what I was going to say. Do you want to go back then? You can take it back. That, that, why, like, 
kind of popping on what Stuart's saying, that the Sabbath, God, when God rested from his work, it was complete and he was satisfied, but it was very good and it was celebratory. And I think Sabbath is worship. That's right. I think it's not just for man, made for man to stop and pause and remember what God's done and worship it. But I think God himself was worshiping because he was happy and celebratory. Right. Like, this is very good. This is what I want. This is, I think, I think it's a very intentional. It's a, it's a party. Yeah. And that's restful to our souls. That's absolutely right. I have a friend who, who claims the world was made for Sabbath. Okay, meaning, not like we're made not to serve the Sabbath, not in the sense of Sabbath made for man, not man for the Sabbath, but the reason that God made the world was for the day of celebration. Like, why do you, do, why do you plan weddings? It's for the wedding, right? Everything leads, everything is driving towards this day of celebration and rest and happiness. This is what the whole thing is all about that, okay? Now hold on to that because that's going to become more meaningful in a few minutes, okay? So, number one, he's resting because everything's great. Number two, he's resting as a model for us. This, these are the two big things that I think we should take out of Genesis 1. Because he knows how we are formed. He remembers that we are dust, right? We're like grass that flourishes in the morning and fades in the evening. And we're going to need to be able to knock off. We cannot work in perpetuity. And so the very act of creation, he was thinking about us. And he built something into it so that we might relax and calm down and celebrate and get off of this treadmill that tells us that it's all about you. Get it done, John. Get it done. Get it done. Get it done. The works righteousness that is fundamental to our nature. He's like, let's just jam a hand in the fan there and stop the blades and say, you know what? It doesn't depend on you. He's built into creation this model. Number one, we stop and we celebrate and we rejoice and we rest. And also, we need to, lest we frantically work ourselves to death. He's modeling that for us. And then, to emphasize that, and the second time he states it in Deuteronomy 5, he's like, listen, you're not slaves anymore. You used to be. The Egyptians didn't care about you. They're going to work you to death. And it's if you die, that's eh, not a big deal because you had babies. And we're going to work them to death. And we're just going to do this for 400 years. And so God says, you know what? That's not the way I relate to you. You're not my slave. You don't just have to grind and grind and grind. So we take these, these kind of main images and they, they inform what we should do. Okay? And then he says, and all of this... I always will never not want you to be able to rest. There will never come a day that I won't want you to celebrate and to be happy, to look back, to be reassured. This is forever. Sabbath forever. Okay? However, the New Testament is extremely different, okay? So what are the New Testament texts about Sabbath? Because it's going to be it's going to be whiplashy, and if you don't know how to make sense of this, it's going to be very very confusing. Don. Hebrews four. Okay, save Hebrews four because that's the climax. Great job. That's the that's the punchline of the story. Okay, so hold on to that. That's real. That's probably probably the most important New Testament text on Sabbath is Hebrews four. But we'll come to that in a bit. Okay. What is it? Okay. So what's Matthew twelve? I don't recognize that immediately. Walking through a grain field. Okay. Yes. Okay. So Matthew twelve. Matthew 12 is one example of countless examples of Jesus basically doing what regarding the Sabbath? Working, working right? I mean, he's, Jesus is constantly, endlessly, is like one of, the, one of the primary events. It's just on all the Gospels. Jesus does stuff on the Sabbath that just tweaks the Jews all day long, okay? All the time. So much that you're like, okay, this has got to be intentional, okay? It's not just accidental, but they have an understanding of Sabbath, and he's like, he's just going to stomp on it in ways that 
You could make it, I think you could write a paper and arguing that the reason that Jesus was murdered was because he violated the Sabbath. Over and over and over again, it drives them completely crazy. Okay, now. The Pharisees have twisted, I think, something that God meant for man's good. Yes. And for relationship, it made it in burdensome. Yes. To where that, you know, even small things, like I know that, I know from some Jews that are very observant, they can't turn on a light switch. Right, they yeah. They can't turn on an oven. Mm-hmm. Um, well, and it's funny. So the way that the way that the Sabbath has begun to be observed, there's things like Robin is saying. There's people that you not, you literally can't turn on a light switch, and so you've got this very um, punctilious, pedantic, like just like everything is just super super regulated. But 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 we've also got rules that like you're not allowed to travel. Have you heard this? Like, and I don't know if this is. I think this is true, but I I, mean, I wasn't there. But that you're not allowed to travel more than I don't even know the number is. Let's say you know, a quarter mile from home or a hundred yards from home or something like that. So what people would do is ahead of time, like the night before the Sabbath, they would scatter their belongings down the path so that I'm always within a hundred yards of something that belongs to me. And so I can still now travel and I'm technically near my property and so it's, it's okay. So you get into this just insanity of all the stuff you cannot do, but there's a loophole for everything, okay? And it's into that culture that Jesus is endlessly, seemingly violating the Sabbath. Here's one of my favorites because he's just so in their face about it. Go to Mark 3. Everything's a trap for Jesus, right? They're always trying to bust him. And so Mark 3, it says, Another time Jesus went into the synagogue and a man with a shriveled hand was there. Some of them were looking for a reason to accuse Jesus, so they watched him closely to see if he would heal him on the Sabbath. Okay, the whole thing's a setup. They're all they're watching. Is he going to do it on the Sabbath? Is he gonna, so this is a guy, he's shriveled hand, and Jesus has the opportunity to show life to him. Jesus could say, you know what? Sorry, no, I'm off. <laughs> or he could do it, and they're like, what's he going to do? And so they're watching him closely to see if Jesus is kind of like being subtle, and he's like magical healing power, right? And instead, Jesus, watch what Jesus does. Jesus said to the man with a shriveled hand, stand up in front of everyone. They're watching him closely to see if he's sneaky, and he's like, let's go. Turn on the lights. Everybody, pay attention. Watch this. By the way, note your watch. See what time it is. See what day it is. Jesus says to the man, which is lawful on the Sabbath, to do good or to evil, to save life or to kill? But they remained silent. He looked around them in anger and deeply distressed at their stubborn hearts. He said to the man, stretch out your hand. And he stretched it out, and his hand was completely restored. And the Pharisees went out and check it out, and they began to plot with the Herodians how they might kill Jesus. More curiously, well, we'll, we'll leave it there. Think about this. You are not allowed to heal on the Sabbath. You are, however, allowed to plot murder. Okay? This is the world that, that Jesus is in, and he is, he is just going to blow up their understanding of Sabbath. So, yes, the Old Testament makes a very, very, very strong case. But this is one of, I mean, I, I bet, I didn't count them. I just got to be 12 or 15 instances of Jesus doing stuff on the Sabbath in ways to tweak people. Okay? Stuart? You know, and then also, too, it's like he talks about, you know, when John's disciples were like, well, you guys don't fast. And he's like, you don't fast when the bridegroom is here, too. That's right. So when Jesus, the, the whole case for Jesus to be healing all the time, there's a bridegroom who's here. <coughs> 
you know, we only have him with us for a short time. And, uh, but yet, obviously, he's going to do whatever he has to do. And we should continue to do if the bridegroom is here. That's right. Again, recognizing that it could be both and. I mean, it's like it is good to rest because we do wear down. It is good to celebrate. But it, again, don't hold anything up higher than the bridegroom. I think that's what they've done with law. And we do it now with lots of other laws and things. Yes. Okay. Now there's going to be implications, but the trick, everything you're saying there, I agree with, but there, it'd be very easy to draw implications from that and say, um, we could pick things that are more controversial moral issues in our day and say, well, so there's a sexual ethic that's described in both the Old and the New Testaments, but can we disregard that sexual ethic as long as we just love Jesus? And, but that's a case that's being made. So we want to be very careful. We don't want to say, well, as long as you love Jesus, you can do whatever you want. Because the Jesus that we're following, and then he says, if you love me, you'll obey my commands. We can't be like, well, I love you, therefore, I don't have to obey your commands. That, we want to be very, very careful not to do that. I'm saying Jesus. Right. Disobeyed the Ten Commandments. <laughs> right. Because he wasn't disobeying the Ten Commandments. That's right. He wasn't. Now, okay, but now watch this. So we have two ways we can take this, right? You can say that Jesus is keeping the Sabbath as it's meant to be, but he's disregarding all the man-made rules that are laid up around that. And I think that you can make a very strong case throughout the Gospels that what Jesus is doing is saying he's, he is keeping the Sabbath properly. What he's not doing is keeping the pharisaical interpretations that go all around it, okay? And, that's, and I think we can make a strong case for that. Paul, however, is going to go beyond even that. Right? And so we're watching, the th- a, if, you, if you accept kind of the idea that God has revealed, he doesn't say everything on day one. There's a progressive revelation. There's more things that we learn as the Bible develops. By the time you get to Paul, this is Paul. I mean, Paul's a Pharisee. Paul is you know, like a Jew of Jews. Listen to the, some of the things that he says about the Sabbath. This is going to be kind of weird. Go to Colossians chapter 2. This is strange. 2.13. Paul says, when you were dead in your sins and in the uncircumcision of your sinful nature God made you alive with Christ he forgave us all our sins having canceled the written code with its regulations that was against us and that stood opposed to us he took it away nailing it to the cross and having disarmed the powers and authorities he made a public spectacle of them triumphing over them by the cross he's making the case of what's how the, the crucifixion of Jesus has changed everything. It's freed us. It's defeated our great enemy. It's the basis of our forgiveness. All these things are center here. But then check it out. Watch the next thing he says, verse 16. Therefore, do not let anyone judge you by what you eat or drink or with regard to a religious festival, a new moon celebration, or, underline this, a Sabbath day. He takes the Sabbath day and he puts it in this particular place. And then he says, verse 17, these are a shadow of the things that were to come. The reality, however, is found in Christ. So wait, what? He just said that Sabbath observation, is there's something about that that is passing away. Sabbath, this thing that we have built this case of the enormous significance of it, according to Paul, you know, if somebody judges you regard to a Sabbath day, meaning if somebody's giving you a hard time for not observing the Sabbath rules, he's like, don't sweat it, because it was a shadow of reality that has come in Christ. Okay, that's one data point. It's only one. Michael, did you want to say something? Yeah, I was just going to say that sounds like, uh, I haven't seen this before, but if, if, if God gave us the Sabbath to rest, then Christ is now our perfect 
Yes, okay, so you may not have heard that. Well, Michael said, if God has given us the Sabbath to rest, then, and Jesus is our perfect rest, then perhaps the setup has come, and now the reality, reality is here. And that's exactly what we're going to see in Hebrews 4, but not quite yet. So yes, so, so number one, we've got Colossians 2. Next, let's go to Galatians 4. Again, Paul, he's not just saying you don't have to follow those silly Pharisees' extra rules. He's getting to the heart of the thing itself. In Galatians 4, 8... Uh, and Galatians, 4, Galatians is all about this circumcision controversy. Does a Gentile need to become a Jew in order to be a Christian? That's really what's going on here, right? So we've talked about there's this, race, this racial ethnic animus. We're not going to let the Gentiles in unless they become more like us. And they've got to follow all our rules and do all our stuff. And in that, in that letter, Paul says, Galatians 4.8, Formerly, when you did not know God, you were slaves to those who by nature are not gods. They were, these are Gentiles. They were pagans, all right? They were running around worshiping rocks. When you didn't know God, you were slaves to those who by nature are not gods. But now that you do know God, or rather are known by God, how is it that you are turning back to those weak and miserable principles? Do you wish to be enslaved by them all over again? Okay, this is really important. So you got two kinds of people in the world. You got the Jews and the Gentiles. You got the religious and you got the irreligious. And the religious people are out here following the rules, the jots and the tittles, da, 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 do all these things, follow all the rules. The irreligious people are like, rules, schmules, I don't need to do anything. I'm going to run around naked in the woods and worship rocks, okay? And they're coming out of this slavery of worshiping rocks into becoming Christians, and then they're getting drawn into basically this religious worship. And Paul says, when you go for what you think of as forward to religious observation, you're actually going back to the same thing because this, the error of irreligion, religion, same difference. Neither one of them is a relationship with me. And then he says this. I'll do it again. But now, okay, I'll do the whole thing. Formerly when you didn't know God, when you were over here irreligious, you were slaves to those who by nature are not gods. But now that you know God right here, or you're known by him, how is it? that you're turning back to those weak and miserable principles. Do you wish to be enslaved by them all over again? Because you're observing special days. That's Sabbath, y'all. And months and seasons and years, I fear for you that somehow I've wasted my efforts on you. He's saying, if you are going to insist on this religious jot and tittle observation of these things, it's like going back to where you were before. Again, this is, Paul, what? Have you ever read the Old Testament? Yeah, I probably got the thing memorized, okay? Or how about this, Romans 14, same idea. All Paul just taking a broadside against our understanding of this. In Romans 14, 1, Paul says, accept him whose faith is weak without passing judgment on, quote, disputable matters. He says, there are some things that could go either way, and it's okay. And so if things can go either way, you don't need to get all about making sure that it's your way for everybody else. Just let it be. No big deal, okay? Every culture has different things that we would look at them and say, like, oh, that's Christians don't do that, right? So what are some of those things in, the, in American history that have been our favorite, like, shame on you, you, you know, you see, you, you see a person doing this, and you're like, oh, they're not a Christian. What are, the, what are our little favorite things? Cigarettes. Smoking cigarettes. Christians don't smoke cigarettes, right? If you had somebody shows up at your Bible study smoking a cigarette, you're like, what is that? Well, can you chapter and verse that? I mean, you simply cannot, right? You cannot. What else? Drinking, littering, dancing. Drink, smoke, dance, littering. 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 Okay, now, and, and, and some of these things may be like, well, like, I mean, don't litter, okay? You know, but 
well, you know, you don't drink, don't smoke, don't dance, don't chew. What is that thing? Don't smoke, don't go with girls who do, however that goes, right? <laughs> right? There's disputable matters. L listen to his list. Listen to Paul's list of disputable matters. One man's faith allows him to eat everything, but another man whose faith is weak eats only vegetables, okay? And by the way, he's not talking about veganism as we understand it. He's talking about meat sacrificed to idols, but that's cool. But the man who eats everything must not look down on him who does not, and the man who does not eat everything must not condemn the man who does, for God has accepted him. Who are you to judge someone else's servant? To his own master he stands or falls, and he will stand, for the Lord is able to make him stand. Listen to this. One man considers one day more sacred than another. That's Sabbath. That's what he's talking about. Another man considers every day alike. Each one should be fully convinced in his own mind. He who regards one day as special does so to the Lord. He who eats meat eats to the Lord, for he gives thanks to God. And he who abstains does so to the Lord, and he gives thanks to God. For none of us lives to himself alone, and none of us dies to himself alone. If we live, we live to the Lord. If we die, we die to the Lord. Whether we live or die, we're his. We belong to him. He is explicitly saying here, listen, if you're all about keeping the Sabbath and these yet yeah, one day, it's fine. But if you think that it's every day is his, I worship him on Mondays and I rest in him on Tuesdays. And Wednesdays, my life is for him. And on Thursdays, all that I want to do is whatever he's called me to do. He's like, great. Our lives are for him. This is so radically different, right? From Colossians and Galatians and Romans, Paul is making a very strong case that something is different something has changed and that we're in, in a good course if we're not following the blue laws, I would say. That would be the case that I would make based on what I see in the Scripture. But it's not that it doesn't matter. It all comes to a head in Hebrews chapter 4. All right, so let's go there. This, Don, is where Don wanted to take us. So, Don, what was it about Hebrews 4 that you wanted to, what, what, what made that leap off, your, leap off the page for you? Tim, have you ever noticed uh, that sometimes the Bible looks like just one story? I, I have noticed that, in fact. No, no, but that's one of the gifts you've given me over the years. And to me, this is another example. Um, so God only, only ceased twice in all of history. He ceased at creation. And, and then when Jesus mouthed the words, it is finished in John 19. That's great. He ceased for the second time. That's right. And I think Hebrews 4 talks about Excellent. both of those, the gospel and Excellent, excellent. And how these things are all, it's so good, Don. It all is converging. And Hebrews 4 is what brings it all together. So take a look at it. It's so well said. Hebrews 4.1 says, Therefore, are you guys there, Hebrews? You guys good? Therefore, since the promise of entering his rest still stands, let us be careful that none of you be found to have fallen short of it. For we also have had the gospel preached to us just as they did. Some of the Old Testament. But okay, so Hebrews, the whole book of Hebrews is really a reflection on the, the wandering of the, of the Jews in the wilderness. He's like, man, you guys look back at what happened there. So much that happened to the Jews in the wilderness while they were waiting to enter the promised land. It, it's replayed for us. We are a group of people wandering around waiting to really actually enter into the promised land. And there are lessons drawn from their life and experience that matter for us. When he says they, he's talking about the people following the cloud and the smoke for 40 years in the desert, okay? Uh, for we also have had the gospel preached to us just as they did. So that's interesting. Did you know the people wandering around in the desert for 40 years had the gospel preached to them? It's interesting. 
But the message that they heard was of no value to them because those who heard it didn't combine it with faith. Now, we who have believed, we enter that rest. Just as God has said, I declare an oath of my anger, they shall never enter my rest. And yet, his work has been finished since the creation of the world. Genesis 1. He's going back to exactly what Don is referring to. For somewhere he's spoken about the seventh day, and in these words, on the seventh day, God rested from all his work. And again, in the passage above, he says, they shall never enter my rest. So there is such a thing as rest. There's this place of provision and celebration where the weight comes off your back, where it's no longer about the work that you do, neither the bricklaying that you do, but more than that, it's no longer about the righteous building that you do. It's no longer about you proving by your frantic activity just how much you deserve to live forever with him, right? You can do that. It's going to be exhausting, and it's not going to work. There is this place where you, say, where you stop, and you say, I can't do it. Is there another way? Can I just relax into you? Will you do the work? It's like God has built an escalator, but we forget that it's an escalator and we think it's a, climb, a set of stairs. And we climb and we climb and we climb and we climb until we finally realize it's too exhausting. There's just too many steps. And then we realize, oh, my soul, it was never a staircase. It was always an escalator. And all I need to do is rest. And he has done the work. Okay? So that's what he says right now. He says, listen, it's still, like I says, they should never, verse 6, it still remains that some will enter that rest and that those who formerly had the gospel preached to them didn't go in because of their disobedience. Therefore, God set aside a certain day, calling it today, when a long time later he spoke through David, today, if you hear his voice, do not harden your hearts. For if Joshua had given them rest, God wouldn't have spoken about another day. But there remains then a Sabbath rest for the people of God. For anyone who enters God's rest also rests from his own work, just as God did from his. And then check out the irony of verse 11. Let us therefore make every effort to enter that rest so that no one will fall by following the example of their disobedience. All Sabbath rests, all of the urgency in the Old Testament was pointing not to taking Saturdays off, but was pointing to the great rest to which all the little rests were hinting at. That one day the, day, the opportunity would be presented to you where you would cease from your labor to prove that you're worthy and to accept the fact that God has done all on your behalf. And the author of Hebrews is saying, yeah, 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 we did those things. And by the way, you're allowed to take the day off because you're not slaves. And God knows how you're formed. You're absolutely allowed to do this. And Paul says, hey, if you want to have a certain particular day that you are just going to like sing songs to him and, and, and delight in his name, game on. Go for it. Please do. But don't think that by doing so, you're somehow meriting favor. And don't think that by not doing so, you're somehow losing favor. For in fact, all of those ritualistic observances were meant to awaken you to the fact that you need a real rest. There's a rest beneath the rest. And you can take off Saturdays, you can take off Sundays, and, and but you spend your Sunday counting your points for what a good boy you are, then you're not really getting the real rest. And that's what Hebrews 4 is saying. Enter into the real rest, which the little rests point. And if along the way 
you want to take the day off, then take the day off guilt-free because you're not a slave. Okay. That's, I think, A to Z, a full Old Testament, New Testament understanding of Sabbath. So does that, Robin, you want to, this was your question, so do you want to push on that or anything that's not satisfying about that to you? very important. And if Jesus came, he, he said he didn't come to abolish the law, but he came to fulfill it. And, you know, I just... Um, so it still feels strange to you, huh? A little bit. I just, yeah. Like, maybe I'm missing something. Well, okay, so when I'm Jesus... I'm taking that more seriously, is all. Yeah. So if, here, here's what I would say is, when Jesus says he didn't come to abolish the law, but to fulfill the law... When it's similar to what Paul says is that these things were shadows, but the reality, however, is, is found in Christ. So Jesus did fulfill the law, meaning he kept it for himself, but he also fulfilled it for us. <clears throat> and there's something, there are things that are transcendent in all cultures, all times, that God has spoken over, right? There's never going to come a day that it's a good thing to lie and steal and murder. There are transcendent things to that. This is a particular, Sabbath observation was a particular um, uh, it's not even a ceremony, a particular observance, I guess you would say, that God created for the people of Israel as a, as a teaching tool. And having served its purpose to teach, to reveal, to point out rest, for some, it is no longer a binding criminal activity to violate. But it will always, forever, be an opportunity for us to, to worship, an opportunity for us to find peace, and it will continue to teach future generations, right? So there may be, you know, Jesus may not come back for a while, who knows, but if he doesn't come back for another 500 years or 200 years or that, whatever it is, um, in 200 years, people are still going to need, they're still going to be weary, they're still going to be given to frailty, and they're still going to be benefited by having an opportunity to take a break. And so we should build into our, I think we should build into our cultures opportunities for rest and peace. And we should continue to have illustrations that show people uh, that he is, he is inviting us to a greater rest than a Saturday or a Sunday at the lake is ever going to give you. But what we should not do is shame people because they ran to Lowe's on a Sunday so they could finish their bathroom renovation. <laughs> okay? Yeah. And I will give you rest, right? He, he, he is to be the great source of rest. Yeah. So, okay, so I think we need to stop for the day. So feel free to wrestle. Go, go do, a, do a word search. It's a great way to study your Bible is just get a digital version of the Bible. I love Accordance. Logos and Accordance are probably the two big computer Bibles. Um, and just you can just do a search. Show me every time it says the word Sabbath. Although I will warn you, if you do a search for Sabbath, you will not find Hebrews 4 because it's Sabbath rest. It's a hyphenated word, and your, your thing might not find it, okay? But find every instance of Sabbath and go through and look and, and, and work through these. Do the cross-referencing. Look at some of these things that we just mentioned, some of these passages, Galatians 4, Romans 14, Colossians 2, um, all these things, and just and do the work and, and chew on it. Okay, Pat and then Kat. I think it's uh, one thing we should keep in mind that this is teaching us is this is an individual thing between us and God. And no government or corporate body ought to tell us this is your Sabbath and this is your Sabbath, that it's up to us to make our own Sabbath. 
Um, I think that's true. So when Paul puts it in Romans 14, he calls it a disputable matter. And I do think that it is something, therefore, that there's an individual freedom, you know, on that. Um, so some of you guys know Mike Massey. Well, many of you know Massey. He just spoke a couple weeks ago. Um, Mike has, he takes very seriously. Every Tuesday is a Sabbath day for him. He doesn't, go to, he doesn't go to work. And he spends the whole day in basically worship and ministry and, and, uh, and reading the scriptures. And, and it's Tuesday. There's no biblical merit to Tuesday. But he has found that to be an incredibly enriching time. Enriching time. He's like, this is the day that I'm really going to go deep. And he does it every week. And it's been, it's borne great fruit in his life. So I agree, there's a lot of freedom on that, for sure. Kat? Repeat the names of the Bible apps you just said. Oh, yeah. So I like Accordance. A-C-C-O-R-D-A-N-C-E. And then the other is Logos. L-O-G-O-S. Those are the two. And they're both, you can get like the basic engine and everything about 50 bucks. And then you can spend $15,000 getting modules and stuff. Um, I do have the U version of my phone, yes, but I don't, I don't, yeah, they got like every translation for free. I think that's, that's great. Accordance and Logos are maybe a little bit better for study. I think U version is better for reading. Accordance just has outrageous search power, um, but, for, but I think for a reading tool, I think you, the U version is great and it's free. So that's, that's advantageous. Okay, are we good? Are we good, good, good? Okay, so next week we will not be in this room for Sunday school. We'll be in the, in the what do we call that? In the fellowship hall. So 9 o'clock church, 10 o'clock fellowship hall for Sunday school, 11 o'clock church. We'd love to see you at either or both. Thanks, friends. Yes? You are coming to the 11 o'clock service next Sunday. Well, you want to tell them? Well, okay, go ahead. 11 o'clock service. You want this? I don't know. If you're coming to the 11 o'clock service tomorrow and you, or next Sunday and you also want to do Sunday school, you will come up the ramp. We're going to have it divided. Come up the ramp and you'll just hang a right to go into the fellowship hall. Don't come to the front class doors. Then when you leave Sunday school, you're going to come through that fellowship hall door and come in right through that door into the sanctuary. But I'll give those instructions again tomorrow or next week. Okay. So Score. If you're coming to... 10 o'clock Sunday school, and then 11 o'clock service, come up the ramp and go right in to the fellowship hall by that door, okay? And then I'll release you. It'd be great. Okay, that reminds me also, Whitney, when are we doing your parent meeting? Um, I believe it's at the end of the month. So it's not next week, for sure. Definitely Sunday school next week. So we are going to have the Sunday school hour is going to get taken over by Will and Whitney. I don't know if you're doing it. Is it just Will? Um, uh, for some youth stuff, but that's not next week. So, okay, that's all.